Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is Mailbag. What is Mailbag? Well, I'm glad that you asked. See, every day on the John Campia Show, Monday through Friday, we take the second half of the John Campia Show to take live comments and questions from people watching the show live. But what about those of you who have to watch a show the other 22 hours during the day and you can't watch live? Good news, you can throw in a comment or question too, and we address them here on mailbag now the way you can send in a question to be read on mailbag is simply by going down into the description of this video and you'll see a tip link click on that there or enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question read on Mailbag if we deem your comment or question appropriate to be used on our show. And, of course, you'll be supporting our channel at the same time and all of us involved with the John Campy Show and the YouTube channel. Thank you guys so very much for your support. And for this episode of Mailbag, I am joined... By the one and the only writer, director, producer, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how you doing, sir? John, it is always a pleasure to uh, answer the questions from our very inquisitive and intelligent audience. Inquisitive and intelligent, not often words associated with me. All right, without wasting any time, let's get to it right now. We're going to start with old Danny Boy who writes, Anakin's attachments primarily were an issue because it was all kept in secret and against the Jedi Order. However, attachments were exactly the benefit Luke had with his dad and friends to defeat the Empire. Hashtag Mandalorian Jedi. Well, I mean, this has come up a lot, Rob, about like people, the, the common refrain is that, well, Jedi need to get rid of that attachments thing. because Well, the no attachments rule worked for the Jedi for thousands and thousands and thousands thousands of years and it worked until one jedi broke that rule went so far as to get married behind the jedi council's backs and it was that attachment that anakin had to padme that the emperor or palpatine at the time was able to manipulate as his way in turned darth vader and it led to the genocide of the jedi across the galaxy blah blah, blah. it's a pretty good rule now you can make the point that Luke's attachment to Vader, but Luke didn't wasn't really attached to Vader. He just knew Vader was his father. And when confronting him, remember, he went to kill him. But when confronting him, he had a chance to see that there was good still in him. He saw that even though he went to kill Vader and then Vader had the chance to kill him, Vader relented. Vader, what, he could still sense that there was in here and he believed that that guy could be turned. And so I think there's a little bit of a difference in there. I don't know. It's it's still a, it's a big question. That whole no attachment rule seems very archaic and dumb to us. But when you look at the history of the Jedi, it worked very well for for like I don't know. What, like my thoughts are always evolving on this. How do you feel about it? Well, here's the thing. There's I think just saying attachments might not be the right word because you're attached to the Jedi Order. You're attached to the yeah. Force. I think what attached they're talking about. Yeah, attached to your lightsaber. What you're what you're talking about is a personal attachment like to a love interest is inherently yours. I wouldn't call it selfish. I don't want to call love selfish, but what you're doing is you're putting yourself above the importance of the greater good. And I think part of being a Jedi is you are sacrificing yourself, your individual desires for the greater good of the rest of the force. Right. All the life forms that surround us and bind us and create the force, the Jedi Order presumably is to keep that life force, keep the force itself preserved. And if the thing about the, the Sith is they want things personally. 
They want personal power. They want personal, and it's the exact opposite. The Jedi the passions, are, absolutely. Like that, yeah. And so by doing that, if you give in to love, I hate to say it, but that's I would imagine it's more of a Sith thing because you're making it about yourself. I love you, Padme. I love you. Yeah. Be with me. And I think that that is what led to the downfall. And I don't think there's a problem having a, a, an attachment or an affection for your parents because they're part of the force. They're part of the, the ongoing circle of life. Call it what you will. That creates that energy. And, you know. And I think the key thing, too, is the Jedi never said that attachments were bad for everybody. But if you're going to be a Jedi... Yes. You have a higher responsibility. It's summed up perfectly in Attack of the Clones. Terrible movie, but Attack of the Clones. When they're in the troop transport, it gets bumped. Padme falls out. And Anakin's like, abandon the mission. I got to go get her. And Obi-Wan's like, whoa, no, 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 no. The mission comes first. We must stop Doku. And and that's kind of the perfect illustration of, of that. But anyway. Yeah. All right. We got to keep going here. Next up. We've got Ethan Holgate who writes, one of two. Hi, John and Rob. Ah, oh, man, I'm very saddened to hear that Ivan Reitman passed away. Mm. He looks so healthy promoting Ghostbusters Afterlife, you wouldn't think for a second that he's unwell. At least he lived long enough to see Ghostbusters 3 and be proud of his son, which I'd say was a wonderful experience and something very special to him. Uh, he will be missed. What are some of your favorite films of his? Mine would have to be Evolution, Twins, Meatballs, Ghostbusters, of course, Dave, uh, six days, seven nights. Yeah, we spoke about, of course, the the really sad passing of Ivan Reitman, and you're not you're not wrong, man. Like I just saw him a couple of months ago, at CinemaCon. Me and Aaron were sitting like literally up in the second row. Jason Reitman comes out on stage with his dad, Ivan. Looked great, super healthy. Yeah. Um, full of life, vim and vigor, as as you would say. And he will look he looked great. And to see him on stage with his son, because Jason Reitman has become seriously one of the better directors in the world in my opinion whether you're talking about things like uh juno thank you for not smoking up in the air you know on and on he's just great but i think you're right that probably was very special for him to see ghostbusters being done by his own son yeah so and, and, and by the way yes for me my favorite Ivan Reitman film is actually Dave. That is my favorite one. Anyway, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, he also talked about being a good Canadian kid. Yep. He also sponsored like David Cronenberg's. He was, he, I believe he was a producer, maybe an executive producer of Cronenberg's first film, Shivers. So he was instrumental in promoting other Canadian filmmakers and I would imagine uh, other Canadian actors. I don't know, but back in his younger days, you know, and he was also producing Broadway plays. He was doing all kinds of things. And so he was a consummate showman from a very early age, and he never shied away from helping other creative entities um, create. And every much of a prolific producer as he was a director. Absolutely. He, he became an excellent producer as well. All right, next up, Ross B. writes, Hey, John, looking at the new poster for Doctor Strange 2, there is the S.H.I.E.L.D. logo of Captain Carter from What If? Surprise cameo. We spoke about this on the John Campus show actually earlier today. It's, it's their clear as day. The Captain Carter shield is there clear as day. And I remember somebody brought that up once and I kind of dismissed it because I said, oh, no, no, you see America Chavez is in it. You're probably just misinterpreting what color she's wearing right. for that. But the image is right there. It, it's undeniable. It's absolutely part of it there. She's going to be in this. Max writes, one of two. With the MCU bringing back actors for new incarnations, uh, J.K. Simmons, 
uh, Charlie Cox, Vincent D'Onofrio, and Patrick Stewart with at least a cameo. Do you think they will bring back Fassbender and McAvoy for MCU's version of Magneto and Professor X through the multiverse? If they don't do this, I will still look forward to new actors uh, portraying these characters, but not going to lie, seeing Fassbender and McAvoy back would be awesome. Here's what I'm kind of thinking. I think there's a possibility for the pop bang fan service aspect of it that you could see a cameo of them. And I have no insider information on this, but it seems to me moving forward, Feige would want to create his own thing. And so I'm going to guess, is it possible we could see them as a quick cameo? Yes, but then moving forward, I'm guessing it'll be new iterations. That, that's my guess right now, Rob. What do you think? I think it's you're probably right. Because they, that's what they want to do. They want to redefine what's come before and make it their own. Because it wouldn't, I just don't think you can have cameos, but being in the MCU proper, I'd want to see something new, actually. Now, you could make the argument, well, you know, it's got Vincent D'Onofrio and Charlie Cox. I mean, you can make that argument, but that might be, well, yeah, there you go. If he had any quota in his head about how many he can bring over, it might be filled because of that. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what he does. All right, Max writes, do you think Aaron Taylor Johnson will return as Quicksilver in Doctor Strange 2? I think it could be a it could it could add a good character moment for Wanda. It could. The only thing I start to get worried about is how much are you going to try how many this guy's gonna appear, and this guy's gonna appear, and this guy's gonna appear, and this guy's gonna appear. Like how much of that can you do? Um and I, I'm not sure. That might be going a little bit too far, except he does raise a good point, Rob. Aaron Taylor Johnson appearing again as Quicksilver, that is a direct narrative. Yes. Purposeful, big, important thing. It's not a random Wanda fact. It is a driving thing that is always with her, the loss of her brother. It could make sense. I'm still going to guess, just guess. I'm going to guess, no, we're not going to see Aaron Taylor Johnson, but I would not put any money against it either. What do you think? Could we see I, him? I wouldn't put money against either. He is playing Craven. They could probably call him up and go, yo, can you come yeah. by and play Quicksilver a couple of days? We'll give you some cash. Have some fun. Act with your sister again. We'll be all good. That could be a little complex. That could get a little convoluted though, because he is coming into the Sony Marvel stuff as Craven. It's going to be interesting to see. All right. Next up, we got Peter Cunnington who writes: Since the new Lord of the Rings show looks so cinematic, and they spent so much money making it, do you think they should also put it in theaters week by week, as well as on Amazon, so that people can enjoy it in a theater? Uh, would love to go see it. Uh, you know, we had a very, very similar conversation to this the other day, Rob, about uh, one of the, I think it was about one of the Disney Plus shows. I can't remember. But here's the thing. Would I love to go into a theater to see these Lord of the Rings shows? Absolutely, I would. If I was an executive of Amazon, would I do that? Hell no. The reason they spent all this money, the reason they poured so much money into this is to get people to sign up for Amazon Prime. That's why they did it. And so if you do something for a purpose, why offer an alternative that is counterintuitive to your purpose? So I would guess, no, they won't do that. And I certainly wouldn't do it if I were them. What about you, Rob? Maybe as a, maybe as a special event to kick off the show. Maybe the first episode. If you if you if your information we talked about how they might be like an hour and fifteen minutes. Right. You know, one weekend only, maybe to benefit charity or something. Make a big kind of event out of it. I could see the first episode. Now what what we talked about before, I could also see them doing, which is put it in theaters, but in order to qualify to buy a ticket, you must be an Amazon Prime subscriber. That, you know what? And and they, they sell the tickets through Amazon Prime. Yep. 
So I could see that. That means the people are seeing it are Amazon Prime people, and you may get people signing up for Amazon Prime just so they can get that ticket to the theatrical experience. Yep, I, could, I, I, I don't know that they'll do that, but I think that's what I would do. I would do it too. All right. Next up, we got uh, Kit Vader writes, Do you feel Boba Fett was planned all along? Uh, you made a great point about really understanding the character. I don't think they did. Would ha would have liked more flashbacks of younger life and Cad Bane animosity. Do you think there will be a season two? I do not. For, number one, do I think that Boba Fett was planned all along? Yes, it was planned all along. If you mean from the very moment that they planned the first season of Mandalorian? No, probably not, but probably very shortly thereafter. Like, they knew they were doing a Boba Fett series before they started shooting Mandalorian season two. I, I believe that without question. I do think they understand Boba Fett. I just don't think they told a particularly great story. Right. I'm, I differ from you, Rob. I, when it comes to... Should we have gone back and followed the life of Boba Fett up to this point? I'm going to be honest with you. I had no interest in that. I, I'm 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 interested in what does Boba Fett to do once he comes out of the Sarlacc pit. Sure. Like that's that's where my personal interest was. I wasn't even interested in flashing back to just when he came out of the Sarlacc pit <laughs> right. and spending three episodes with the Tuscans. I thought that was a waste of time. Um. And no, I don't believe, no, remember, I'm saying I don't believe, I've not heard anything from anybody to say, yes, they're doing a season two or no, they're not. No, they're not. But I, I got to believe they saw what the response to Boba Fett season one was. It got great ratings, but been better than Mandalorian, but not everybody was a big fan of it. I think we will see more Boba Fett, but I think it's going to be a Mandalorian season three, not a Boba Fett season two. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, look, I think it probably was planned. The reason that I say, I, I keep going back to the title, The Book of Boba Fett. And I think to something like, uh, think back to the movie Goodfellas. You saw different points in Henry Hill's life that informed who he was. You know, at the beginning, he says, all my life, I always wanted to be a gangster. And it goes from there. And I think that if you saw someone's early life, it gives you an indication of why or where they were going, as long as it informed the story. And I was thinking book chapters of your life that's what i was thinking because they called it that um but like you said i agree you didn't have to see him get out of the sarlacc pit i just wish that the story was more tightly focused and that it was more i don't know what i'm supposed to have taken out where, where am i supposed to be with boba fett after the show is over that's my question and i'm like uh, that's where i think it, it ultimately failed to me because i have too many questions about what am I supposed to have learned? Like we talked about, he wanted to uh, uh, avenge the Tuscans. Look, there's still a lot in the show that I did like to see. I enjoyed some of it. It just some of it just. I'm like, what is what am I? What am I as a viewer supposed to take out of the story you've chosen to tell me? What are you telling me about this character? Do you think there's going to be a second season? Well, oh, I think looking at those ratings, I mean, it all comes down to did does Disney feel we don't have the numbers, but knowing it got a third more of the, in the ratings than the Mandalorian finale yeah. did, or what? That's we it's might hard to not, ignore. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's that's really all that matters. All right, next up, Alex Detman writes. I'd watch it though. <laughs> I I would watch it too. I mean, I'd be it's still Boba Fett. I'm not gonna not watch it. Uh, John, please tell me you got the email I sent with the pic of Tom Cruise. I don't know that I did. On set with an interesting goatee choice. The image is legit because my friend, who does hair and makeup for movies, took the pic herself after doing Tom Cruise's hair. Um, 
Over under 35% Tom Cruise is an Iron Man from an alternate universe in Doctor Strange 2. Also, I heard my favorite Den I heard my favorite Denzel will be doing Equalizer 3, and I was wondering if you heard anything about that at all. Uh, may the filthy be with you. Yeah, we've known for some time that Denzel was going to do Equalizer 3. I am surprised, but pleasantly surprised, because the other one didn't do great. But I really like Denzel as Equalizer. Dude, like, me too. Oh, I like him as Equalizer uh, 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 very I, much. I got to say, the way he look at his watch, you know, he assesses the situation. It looks, I, I mean, I, I'm there for that. <laughs> I, I as love it. As far as whether we're going to see Tom Cruise as Iron Man, I don't know. I mean, look, this is all predicated on the thing that at one point they were looking at Tom Cruise to play Iron Man before Robert Downey Jr. They ended up with Robert Downey Jr. Not a lot of people know that. Right. And so they might do it, but I think a lot of it is going to be wasted. Uh, but so, listen, we see these Ultron bots, which, by the way, I've heard people say they may not be Ultron bots, and, and they might not be. But if they are, I mean, Tony is a very big hand in Ultron bots being made. They would stand to reason that if this is the Illuminati and they've got these Ultron bots as their soldiers and their guards... It stands to reason a Tony Stark would be on the Illuminati, and that's either going to be... Let's, I'm going to say something kind of weird. If, if Tony Stark is on the Illuminati in here, it would get far more audience pop if it was Robert Downey Jr. than if it was Tom Cruise. I think, because Tom Cruise, I mean, that would be big and exciting. He's one of the biggest movie stars in the world. But Tom Cruise being Tony Stark will be met with an instant bout of confusion. Right. Like, wait, what? If Robert, if they panned the camera around to the seat beside Patrick Stewart, and there's Robert Downey Jr., that audience would go nuts. Uh, yeah. But but yes, I think there is a very legitimate possibility. I'll go under thirty five percent, but not a lot under thirty five percent. I think there's a very legitimate possibility we could see Tom Cruise as as. Uh, I'll go Stewart. over a little bit just to be different. <laughs> you know, sure. But, but I think that look, after seeing movies like Rockstar and seeing. Les Grossman in Tropic Thunder. Tom Cruise is up to play. Like, I think he likes doing stuff like that, and he throws himself into it. And if Tony Stark is the superior Iron Man, however they're going to call whatever they're going to call him, I could see Tom Cruise having a blast doing that yep, role. He very well could. All right, next up, Moonfail writes, while watching the Lord of the Rings Amazon trailer, my friends, my friends first thought it was a trailer for Sweet Tooth or Dora. It wasn't until a dwarf showed up that they realized it was Lord of the Rings. They'll see it, uh, but that was such a generic, fake-looking fantasy trailer. Ooh, I a thousand percent disagree with that. I mean, fake-looking? I, I thought the production value on that was... I love the city, you know, coming into that harbor. Yeah, I mean, I, I just thought... For a TV show, I thought it looked remarkable. Look, again, let, let me put this out there. I said this before the trailer came out. If any of y'all are expecting to see a proper trailer likened unto something that's about to come out in eight weeks, then you're deluding yourselves in advance. This is going to be Amazon just announcing to the world, hey, this thing's coming. That was all it was meant to be. It wasn't meant to be the true trailer of it. And it was only, what, a minute long? Or yeah. So it was not meant to be the trailer. It was not meant to give us anything. All it was meant to do was to say to the world, yo, a Lord of the Rings show is coming. And behold, we spent a lot of fucking money on it. That's all it was meant to be. Any right. other expectation for something that is seven months away was completely unrealistic. 
But even knowing that, you were you yourself were still a little bit underwhelmed. Yeah, with only it. because the, my whole thing is I want to know. Tell me some some of the story that you're telling. And while look, like you said, it was an announcement. Here's Middle Earth again. Remember the place you love to spend time. Here it is. That's and, what they're and saying. We're coming, and it's coming. That's all. But I would like to have got a sense of what kind of a show is it? Is it? funny is it serious is it full of political intrigue but we'll get that in the next trailer i just want to see a character any characters interacting like what i agree i like and i think if this was like legitimately one of the trailers this was legitimately the trailer the one that would come out probably three months before the show starts i would completely agree because when that trailer comes it better have all the things that you talked about yeah it's got to have all of it but that's a judgment criteria for that trailer. I, I don't think it's one for this. Like, Because if you ask me, well, either don't put out any trailer at all or put out something that announces to the world this thing's coming, but understand it's not going to have all these other things. I say go ahead and put it out. There's no point in putting out a legitimate trailer seven months in advance. I mean, that that's my take on it. Anyway. Yeah, but I can see With everything you described that you think needs to be in, in this trailer... When the real one comes, it better have every and single one of those will. things. You know, I think they know I that. I hope so. They've got to give you a sense of who these people are. And it can't look with things like The Witcher and Shannara and all the stuff that we've seen, Narnia. You need to tell us why is this show different? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Next up, we've got Dangerous D who writes, Hey, John, uh, the writer of the movie Black Adam is reportedly set to write and direct a Wonder Twins movie for HBO Max. We spoke about this on the John Campus show yesterday. Dude. Details are still under wraps. Uh, I know you don't want to speculate on who they might cast, but do you want to speculate over or under this movie will be made? Oh, I, I, I don't actually believe this movie's going to get made. Like, I, I said that on the show yesterday. I yeah, do not did. believe this Wonder, Wonder Trends, and I have zero interest. But I had zero interest until you and Chris started pitching this idea of a james gunn style meets riverdale wonder meets riverdale <laughs> a peacemaker meets riverdale kind of take on the wonder twins and then i'm like huh yeah euphoria maybe, with the wonder twins <laughs> maybe that could get my interest i get i still don't actually think it's gonna happen i on an over under i will set the probability of it getting made 28 percent. so not zero and not 10 percent. i'm gonna say 28 percent. what about I'd you go you with that i i think that's reasonable <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll throw in the towel with you there so you think it's still unlikely that it'll happen but probably not massively unlikely i mean it's one thing to say you're gonna make like oh we pitched this movie and it's but wonder twins you better have some kind of a fresh take on this son or it's not going anywhere who's asking for it like it's out there like moon knight there was a hunger there wasn't a huge amount of people because not a lot of people understand yeah. and know Moon Knight, but there are people out there, you especially, who wanted Moon Knight. I have never heard somebody say to me, without it being filled with sarcasm, man, I'd really dig a Wonder Twins movie. So who, who are they making this for? Well, I mean, Chris did bring up the Justice League episode that had the Cadmus. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Which I could, but I agree, John. I mean, DC has so many great characters. I'd yeah. rather see a vigilante show. Come on, oh, give, me, absolutely. give me the vigilante show. All right, let's keep going here. Next up, we've got the book of Dangerous vigilante. D. Also writes, "Hey John, I wrote you before about John Cena getting an Emmy slash Golden Globe nomination for his portrayal as Peacemaker, and you disagree he shouldn't win. But my point is at least a nomination, and let them decide 
Uh, I didn't say he deserves to win one, although it'd be cool. Oh, no, he doesn't deserve a nomination. Make, make, make no mistake about it. And, and all of the performances of the incredible television we've had this year. Listen, what John Cena has done in this show, I've enjoyed very much. Yes. Should his performance be in the same conversation as Brian Cox in Succession? <laughs> no. No. Should his... Should John Cena's performance be in the same conversation as Kevin Costner in Yellowstone? No, it does not. It, it, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun thing he did, and he's shown he's improving. But in no reality of any multiverse with Patrick Stewart or not, does John Cena deserve an Emmy nomination for his portrayal? <laughs> and, and I say this as a, as a massive, massive fan, but there's no chance in hell. I think John Cena would be the first guy to tell you that there is no chance in hell. That oh, he I should, think you're absolutely right about that. <clears throat> he should be nominated for that. Anyway, uh, Dangerous D writes, Hey, John, the writer of the movie Black Adam was reportedly set to write, oh, we already covered that one. And, and yeah, so again, I still don't think it's actually going to get made, but hey, if they do it the way you were describing it, it could be something. Could be something. Dangerous D also writes, Hey, John, are you a fan of bare, knuck bare knuckle boxing? It's boxing without the boxing gloves. It looks brutal. There's a BK boxing event coming up called Knuckle Mania 2. I think they're twice as dangerous as any MMA UFC fight could ever have. And and, and did you ever watch the sport? Yeah, listen, they're no, they're not more dangerous than, than the UFC fights. The you the, you misunderstand the gloves that the 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 quote unquote gloves that MMA fighters wear. Bro. They do not protect you. What they do is protect your knuckles. Like, they're not the big patty cake boxing gloves. And, and boxing gloves are going to not put your lights out if you get hit by the right guy, obviously. But those those MMA gloves do not protect your chin. They do not protect you. They protect the other guy's knuckles. Yes. Um, and I am much more of a full mixed martial arts guy. I want takedowns. I want leg strikes. I want submissions. I want, like, to me, that is far more dangerous. Plus, you have the UFC has the much better fighters, and so it's it's like it's like talking about the difference in the you know um, XFL and the NFL. I mean, the XFL can have some pretty different kind of rules, and actually, the XFL had some pretty fun rules. But overall, what's the better quality product to watch? Right, it's the NFL. They yes. had the best superior athletes, and that was the problem with the whole XFL is the people weren't very good players compared to the NFL. It's it's uh, yeah, it's too bad. But anyway, there's that. All right, next up. Uh, Downey Downey Jr. writes, for the sake of argument, let's just say John Krasinski is part of the Illuminati in uh, Multiverse of Madness. Will his appearance be nothing but fan service or is Krasinski here to stay? Well, listen, the theory has been that he's going to be our Reed Richards. That, that's been the theory. I believe if he shows up in Multiverse of Madness, I think that's a clear thing. He is going to be our Reed Richards. I, I don't think they're going to bring him in, do a quick appearance as Reed Richards, only them to pull him away. Now, if they do... That's also fine. If they put him in there because they needed an alternate dimensions Reed Richards, why not him if he's got two days available on his schedule to come in and shoot a scene? And then they cast their real Reed Richards. I think we're all big adults as, as comic book fans. We'll get over it and we'll be happy with it. But I think the money is on, if he's in this, I think he's going to be our regular Reed Richards. Can't guarantee that, but that would be my bet. What about you? I I agree. I mean, everyone, he's like, the, I remember when people were talking about during the first, when the first X-Men was getting made, people talked about Patrick Stewart being Professor Xavier, like that would be perfect casting. And everyone loved that idea. And lo and behold, there he was. And I think John Krasinski, I get the same vibe. Who doesn't want him as Reed Richards? 
I mean, he'd be great. He'd be great, and you'd you'd have battling white walls. Would it be Reed's white wall or Doctor Strange's white wall? That was the best. <laughs> I like Reed's. All right, next up, we got Kevin R. Who writes the complete score for Rogue One got released the other day from Walt Disney Records, yep. and it's fantastic. Still can't believe Giacchino only had four weeks to compose two plus hours of music. Um, was that the Rogue One that he only had four weeks? Are yeah. It was because of, I believe that it was he was replaced. He was replacing. Yeah, he was replacing somebody that kind of last minute. I, I love Rogue One. I love that. It's my second favorite Disney era Star Wars movie. I I love it. I think it's great. I personally, when you hear how good G Kino is, I personally think it showed that he had not all the time he wanted to make it. It, it honestly is not my favorite soundtrack. And it does rely a lot on previously existing Star Wars Sure, themes. which it should to a degree. Yeah, but I would like, but I, not that I, I, I'm a big fan of his music, but yeah, he did it quickly. But yes, they did re-release because they only, a lot of time when they released a score album, you don't get all the music. You only right. get some of the music arranged in an album format, but it's pretty cool that they went back and re-released all that music. All right, next up, we got Kevin R. who writes, uh... Also, don't know if you guys knew that Hulu released the first four minutes of the season three opener for the Orville the other day, and yep. it looks pretty good. Have to say this show is looking better and better. I I, I didn't know they released the first couple of minutes. For oh, the it's season. pretty. It's a, but it's a giant space battle. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. And I gotta, it's really I gotta check impressive. It out. I watched the Orville. I'm not in love with the Orville. Sure. Because I, I have I have a philosophical problem with it, and then just in general, I find the episodes are hit and miss. Like the whole story arc about them and the Kalon Empire and all that kind of stuff, I thought that was pretty cool. This is what this opening hit. It was very much here. Deep Space Nine in the Dominion yeah, kind yeah. of thing, or the Borg, or yep. I mean, it, it very. Oh, much when you see it. this battle, you're like, "Yep, that's yeah, exactly it's what exactly it is. what it is." Um, it's. I'm not going to lie. It still bothers me a bit that it is such an overt ripoff of Star Trek. Homage, John. No, 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 no. No, there's homage, and then there's blatant ripoff. And it is, it, it rips off everything about Star Trek. Everything it can find to rip off about Star Trek, it rips off. You're not wrong. <laughs> um, but, but the results are, there are some storylines and episodes yeah. that are really great and fun and funny. They did one that was really insightful. Um, most, I'll be honest, sometimes they try to do really insightful, thought-provoking episodes and just does not work. But the one they did that I thought really worked well, remember the one where they came across the planet where they had absolute democracy? Yep. And it was kind of a commentary on social media. I and all really that liked stuff. that episode. That I forget the name very, of it, but I really I, Yeah, it. I don't remember the name of it either, but it was a very interesting, thought-provoking kind of uh, thing that was very much a reflection, like a good Star Trek original yep. Star Trek episode mm -hmm. would be that was a direct commentary on something that we were facing as a society or or something like that. So I, I so yeah, I, I watch Orville. It's a little hit and miss to me. I don't like how much of a, it, it, I, I would like it more if they at some point strive to be their own thing. But I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that I at least enjoyed enough to keep watching it. Yep. And they have some killer sure. episodes. And I love Seth um uh McFarlane. McFarlane. I Love Seth MacFarlane. And I like all the other actors, too. Yes. I think the characters are great. Adrian Padalecki. Yeah. And, like, the, the performers are great. Oh, Seth, or um, Norm MacDonald. Uh, I know. Affet? Affet? Something Ma like that. or something like that was the name of the little blob character. Miss him in that. All right. Let's keep going here. Next up. Uh, Penny C. writes, 
Hey, John and Rob, over under 50% that Multiverse of Madness will feature Denzel Washington as Black Panther. I'll go under 1%. Uh, regarding Tom Cruise as Iron Man, pictures flooding the internet. He said it was Photoshopped. Uh, he also said he didn't get a call and something like he's not the werewolf. I don't know what not the werewolf means. I mean, look, I, I think there is a possibility Tom Cruise could be it. I 100% believe that the image was Photoshopped. Yeah. That said... We just had a year and a half of Andrew Garfield completely denying he was in Spider-Man No Way. Of course. Why would any of these people say they were in these movies? So do I believe, if I had to bet $5 on it, do I believe Tom Cruise is going to be in Multiverse of Madness? No. If I had to bet $5, I'd bet no. But do I believe he won't be because he said he's not? No, absolutely <laughs> exactly. not. No, Chad. What do you? What do you really think we are, dude? On I'm this? with you 100. No, I won't believe anything anybody says. I mean, this movie is based after coming off uh, the heels of What If and the variants and the Spider-Man No Way Home. I'm like, give me a break. Don't. If anyone says they're not in a Marvel movie, I don't believe you. If If Joe Biden said, "No, I'm not in that movie," I'm like, Joe, <laughs> I don't believe you. I believe you're in an alternate superhero version of Joe Biden in some far-flung universe of some place. I mean, I don't believe you. All right, next up, we got Thomas Patterson who writes, Spider-Man No Way Home has now topped Avatar as the domestic, at the domestic box office uh, for third place overall the domestic box office, yes. In a pandemic with theaters, particularly in Canada, closed in some places and amid a plethora of at-home entertainment competition. $1.8 worldwide total to without China is huge. Yeah, and you know, we've been talking about that, and this was specifically a topic on the John Campus Show the other day, that I think this was the final big... Uh, pl uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the Not plateau, but the final big trophy to put in its case uh, is going to be this one. It's not, it's the not going to catch the next one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no more. I mean, what it's, they, they, it's not going to catch second place and it's not going to move up. I got a question not. for you. Yes, sir. Do you think Multiverse of Madness has at all the potential to catch Spider-Man No Way Home? Four days ago. Absolutely not. Me too. Me too. Today, no, but not absolutely not because who didn't love that trailer? Like who didn't love that trailer? Now, Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness may face one of the same hurdles that the Batman may face. This is clearly not a super family-friendly no. movie. No. There may be some parents who, that did take their kids to go see Spider-Man that may very well not like when you see zombie Doctor Strange. <laughs> oh, and it, looks, it just the kids in general. The tone of it looks scary. Yeah, so I, that so I'll still say no, but I wouldn't put a thousand dollars against it. Me neither. <laughs> this Me point, neither. It looks like it'd be pretty big. Could, we might wouldn't have to it be crazy watch. if it had two movies? Marvel had two movies back to back that did that. Even if it made one point four billion, or one point, or just a billion. If it if it makes a billion, it, it's still gonna be like, oh my god. Listen, if you again four days ago, if you'd asked me, does Doctor Strange make a billion? <clears throat> I I would have said no. Yeah, me too. Today, almost a fifty percent chance. So yeah, I, man. I, I don't if know. the movie's good. Yeah, if the if it delivers good, on the promise of this trailer, wow. Let's see what Sam Raimi's going to give us. All right, next up. Uh, thanks for sending that in, Thomas. Next up, we've got K-Rock, who writes, Who's a non-superhero or non-metahuman TV character you would hate to hear is looking for you? My three is Simon uh, uh, Adeb 
Adebezi from, from, from Oz. <laughs> um, Tommy Egan from Power and Omar Little from The Wire. Might Ooh. as well just start writing out your own will now. Huh. Those um, are three good ones. The one right now that I go to, and I don't think you watch the show, so, so maybe not, um, is Rip from Yellowstone. I don't know. Just no. That dude, Rip in Yellowstone, is like the ultimate man. You know what I mean? Like in, in the traditional sense of the word man. He's just like as man as it comes. So there's that. And then the other would probably be in a show that is no longer on air is Jack's Teller from Sons of Anarchy. Those, right. those are the two that are nope, I, don't, I don't want them. Hunt. You got one that you'd be most afraid of? Oh, my God. Uh, well, I wouldn't want anyone from Tony Soprano's crew looking for me. Yeah. Because they yeah. get it done. You know, they get if they if if I'm on the wrong side of Although you get the feeling you could probably outrun any of them. <laughs> probably not the hardest time. <laughs> Maybe I not. I mean Big Pussy, I don't think Big Puss is <laughs> going to be able to catch you. It's probably true, but they I would they would get me when I didn't see them coming. Yeah. You know, yeah. you wouldn't you wouldn't know, you wouldn't know. Uh I would not want to be on the wrong side of Cersei Lannister. Oh yeah. You know, no. I, I, I any of the I don't want Lannisters to pay their debts with my head. Nope. I just, I, All good. None of that. None of that. And let's see what would be. The, I, I can't really come up with a. a I think that's one. good enough. That, yeah, there <laughs> Those you go. are some good ones. All right. Good question, man. Next up. Uh, an anonymous viewer writes, hey, John, are you going to do a ticket watch for Doctor Strange 2? I was just mentioning that. Um, and what are your predictions on the opening weekend for Doctor Strange 2? I don't actually think we'll do a ticket watch because I don't think there's going to be any drama of right. uh, websites crashing or anything like that. So probably not. Reaction watch, we very well could do. Uh, ticket watch, probably not. Opening weekend for Doctor Strange, it's it's hard to call right now. I, I, I'd want to wait till we're about a week out yeah. from it before we do because I, I got to get a sense because right now I'm just still basking in the glow of that trailer. And we again, we don't know how kids and families are going to respond either. Yeah. Well, I think once we see the next trailer and we get really close, we'll get a good sense of the temperature. Right now, my guess would probably be 130 million. Wow, I'd go higher. Would you? Yeah. Yeah, and, and when we get when we get closer, I'm. But again, it's well. hard because the movie we're assuming that the trailer, the movie's going to be just as good, and I'm hoping it will be. Tr movies very rarely are but yeah i know that's the thing i'm like uh, if it's great if it's great we'll see all right next up we got josh writes apparently a24 has been trying to sell for 2.5 to 3 billion dollars with many a24 films not streaming i think apple tv should buy them uh with three collabs and midsomar director's cut being an itunes exclusive the two companies make sense thoughts ps rob any tron 3 updates Okay, well, let's start with the Tron 3 updates. So you got I know nothing. I know nothing about anything to do with Tron. You know, I did my documentary 20 years ago, and that was good. But I know nothing about Tron 3. All right, so getting to the notion about one, uh, 2.5 to $3 billion. Fuck no. <laughs> no. That, it's, that company is simply not worth $3 billion. If you're going to ask me, hey, absent of any numbers, do you think Apple could be an attractive suitor for something like A24. Yes. For maybe 1 billion? 
Maybe, or just buy their catalog. Just buy, because here's the thing. Just buy the company? Their catalog is not worth $3 billion. It's no. just not. The IP they own, the catalog they have, they have some excellent, excellent, excellent films. But regardless of how good the films are, they do have a dollar value. And the, that dollar value does not equate to two point five to three billion dollars, in and my also, estimation. I don't think that A twenty four. I mean, they finance some of their stuff, but some of their stuff are acquisitions as well. So they acquired movies that they didn't mm -hmm. necessarily. I mean, it's still theirs. Much like Netflix. I mean, they make some uh, of their own. They acquire some of their own. Absolutely. They have A twenty four. Really has one of the most distinct flavors. Like when you yes. see a trailer for an A twenty four film, you know before any credits come up. This is an A24 film. You I mean, no. John, their horror films have been pretty spectacular. They've done some marvelous but stuff. But they don't it's not like they cost $50 million. No, nor know? do they generate 500 million at the box no. office. So, I do not and Apple, look, Apple has all the money in the world, but they don't act like they have all the money in the world. No. They still want to make they want to make business decisions that will make them money. And there's just no sense I think of trying to acquire an A24 for that kind of. Although they, I'd be interested to see how they would rebrand A24. Would they put like an apple that's where the A goes? A, ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> I like that. All right. Next up, uh, where are we at here? We're at my name. My name Jeff. A little uh, uh, 21 Jump Street thing there for you. Uh, hey, John and crew. Did you notice on the new Doctor Strange poster with the shattered glass? You can see Captain Carter's shield on the bottom right, uh, in on the glass pieces. Yeah, we were talking about again. We spoke about that a little bit earlier today. And a little bit earlier in this show, it's absolutely there, clear as day, no denying it. I, I like I said, I kind of dismissed that notion at first, and then I saw my was like, oh no, it's right. Like there's no denying it; it's right there. That poster is the new Rorschach test. Like I said, I see. <laughs> what this, do you see? I see the Spice Girls, including <laughs> yes. Jerry. And uh, I think anybody who looks at that poster, you can just see who they are from what they see in the shards. All right. Next up, we got Tommy who writes just a theory. Uh, but with the Ultron bots being in the Doctor Strange trailer, is there a possibility that Ultron is one of the members of this film's Illuminati? I can't see them doing that. No. If anything, I think it, it points towards Tony Stark. I don't think it points towards Ultron. Agreed. I, I, I mean, hey, Kevin Feige done Stranger Things. Although I'd love to see the what if the Infinity Stones Ultron that we saw in the what if the animated what if show up in this. I don't think that it will. But I loved Infinity War or Infinity Stone Ultron. I, I can't wait. They're making a hot toy figure. That cannot wait. That looked really good. It was really cool. <laughs> looked really good. And okay. the most dangerous thing ever. All right. Next up. Uh, who was that? That was Tom, I think. Yes. Uh, Banjo-Kazooie writes, one of three. I understand why you thought it was dumb that uh, Ghidorah's ghost was possessing Mechagodzilla. I thought it was very stupid. Uh, and yes, it's kind of dumb. But I've seen dumber things in old Godzilla movies. No. The reason why I love it is because it's most of the old Godzilla film. In most of the old Godzilla films, uh, Ghidorah always gets mind controlled, which I really hate. Ghidorah is my favorite kaiju. So when I saw Godzilla versus Kong and they put a power source in Mechagodzilla, uh, and Ghidorah was like, nah, boy, you ain't controlling me. I'm mind controlling you. I was like, F yeah. So I was so happy. Finally, he's not mind controlled. Anyway, I completely understand why you thought it was dumb, but I hope uh, now you'll understand why I loved it. Hey, listen, man, you love what you love, dude. Don't you worry about Damn whether right. or not I liked it or not. Damn right you go for it and love that. I didn't have that kind of connection to the character, though. So for me, that it just felt dumb. It just felt dumb, right? But now, Rob, you oh no, you were not, you were a big fan of Godzilla: King of the Monsters, yes. which I was not a huge fan no. of either. But 
I can't remember where were you. Where I was like in the middle. I liked the the battles, but I thought the human stuff in Godzilla versus Kong was so dumb. And apparently, the the maglev train that goes to the center of the Earth from Florida to Hong Kong. <laughs> it's like, come on, through the cursed Earth or whatever. It's yeah, I was a little goofy. Uh, yeah, a little. But the goofy. battle in the ocean with the aircraft carrier was awesome. Oh, dude, that made coming back to the movie. I loved it. it. Totally made it worth it. All right, next up, we got Trevor Summers who writes. Hi from England. Thank you for writing in from England, Trevor. I just read that the Batman has been classed as an AMC artisan film. What does this mean exactly, and does it increase your anticipation for it? Gotham is like England, gray and rainy. I thoroughly love your show. Thank you all. All right, thanks a lot for sending that in. And yes, this came up the other day. Somebody mentioned that AMC had classified Batman as an artisan film. So what does that mean? Now, in, I never dealt with this stuff when I was at AMC, so my basic understanding is it's a it's a, it's a, a label that AMC will put on a film that they believe has specific and certain artistic quality right. to it that maybe other films don't. You know what? Let me look it up here for a second. Okay, this is what it says on the AMC official site. Filmmaking is an art, and AMC is its museum. Actually, that's kind of a I, cool, I like I, that. Actually, I kind of like that line. I was going to make fun it's of good. it. But it's actually kind of a good line. Filmmaking is an art, and AMC is its museum. And just as there are masterpieces of traditional art, there are exceptional works of film. AMC Artisan Films brings a curated gallery of the finest movies to AMC where everyone can enjoy them. And any movie, any movie with the AMC Artisan Film seal is an artist-driven film that advances the art of filmmaking. You know what? Got to love that. I'll accept yeah. that. That's cool. That's that's pretty good. Now remember, this is still just AMC's opinion, but I, that's not a bad thing for nope. AMC because the folks at AMC and I know a number of the the uh, the film uh, purchasers at AMC, if they sat down and watched it and said, "Hey man, this should be an artisan. We should classify yes. this as artisan." Yes, that's not a bad thing. But remember, it's only AMC's opinion. But still, that's not a bad thing to have. All right, great question, Trevor. Thanks for writing that in and asking, man. All right, next up, B Wayne, New York writes. Hey guys, so while watching the B uh, the BMW Super Bowl spot with Arnold and, and Selma Hayek as Zeus and Hera, I couldn't help thinking what a great comedy series this would make. Ancient gods adapting to modern world, uh, the possibilities are endless and could be hilarious thoughts. Well, what you're describing, B. Wayne, is a very old trope in Hollywood, the fish out of water story. You can, you know, whether it's um, crocodile dundee or whether it's it, whatever it, the fish out of water story is a huge one of course they started promoting the super bowl spot in advance people thought it was a movie when you had arnold schwarzenegger dressed as zeus i gotta say though i'm watching that commercial i'm like he don't sound greek to me <laughs> ain't nothing about arnold sounds greek but seeing some him and some i like the commercials i did i thought I it was kind of funny what do you think of it? i thought they were fun you know and i could see that being a sitcom you know, we kind of bewitched and I dream a genie were like that powerful yeah. creatures and then immortal being like, you can't use your powers. I mean, like if I was married to bewitched, I'd be like, use your powers. Get me anything you can get us money, get us fame, get us fortune, whatever. All right. Next up, we've got an anonymous viewer who writes theory. Illuminati tells Strange that his Wanda is too dangerous and change and charges him to take care of her. Or they will take more drastic measures. Strange opening a gateway to trap her inside the Darkhold then allows other dangerous entities to enter his reality. Um, I didn't get... I mean, I'm not... That's not a bad-sounding story. No, nope. I didn't get any of that from the trailer. Right, I didn't either. But 
I mean, I like kind of where you're going with that idea. I just didn't see that in the trailer. Could be, though. I mean... Now, we talked about this one theory on the show the other day. There's a theory going out there that Doctor Strange, his nightmares are actually him experiencing the murder of other Doctor Stranges across the multiverse. And then he finds out at the core of all of it is Wanda. Wanda's always the cause of the destruction in parallel, and he finds that out, and... Hence, this one is a problem, and then that, you know, you break the rules, you're a hero. I break the rules, I'm the enemy. Right. Doesn't seem fair. Um, so, she's, by uh, the way, she's completely out of her mind and around the bend when she says that. Oh, beautifully out of her mind. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, it mind, really looks so good. She's out of her mind. So, I mean, it could, there could be a wanted thing, but this thing about one is too dangerous, we charge you with going to go. <laughs> um, listen, yeah. that's a good story idea. I just didn't see it in the trailer. I Did didn't you? see it in the trailer. But, I mean, if maybe that will change in the next trailer, but we'll see. All right, next up, we've got Korea Got Soul writes, Hey, John and the gang, my wife and I just saw Power of the Dog, and oh my God, it was great. Superbly acted and fantastic directing, especially from uh, Cody Smith-McPhee. What, 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 hmm, what he would do to protect his mother. I think he's going to walk away with an award. Thoughts? Um, listen, I, I've said this before. I will say it again. I like Power of the Dog. I... I personally don't think it's a best picture contender, but it, it got one of the nominations. Yeah. What is undeniable are the performances in it. Oh, dude. From Cody Smith, that one Incredible. scene too. Like I knew I was watching something performance-wise really special. There's that scene in the movie where uh, it's earlier in the film too where um, Benedict Cumberbatch is sitting down at the table. He's got all of his, his horsemen are in there. They're all like, and he sees the paper flower that the guy made. Yeah. And just that interaction, there was a subtlety and a power to the performances. You are everything. Jesse Plemons is so good in it. Mary Jane Watson is so good in it. Did you see, speaking of Jesse Plemons, a trailer just dropped for a movie with him and Jason Siegel and the actors. I saw an image for it on IMDb, but I didn't click to watch it's it. It's written by Andy Kevin Walker, who wrote Seven. Really? Yeah. Huh. And like, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know why. But Jesse Plemons is having a good year. Yeah, no kidding. And he's he's married to Kristen Dunst. Dunst yeah. So he's having a pretty good life right now. Yeah. So good for him. But Jesse Plemons, dude, he was the only, he was the really one shining spot of Jungle Cruise. Yeah. And he is so, did, I can't remember. Did you see Game Night? Of course. Oh, how dude, good is he? He's so good in Game Night. Uh, I mean, I think this is, first time I saw him was he was the goofy dude in Friday Night Lights. Yeah. You know, he was the friend who was kind of the goofy looking. I don't see Cody winning at the Academy this year. I mean, that is a stacked, a stack, stack, stack. Brutal thing. category. But hey, you know, it's 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 got a lot of love from the Academy, so you never know. All right. Next up, we got Jordan Wilson writes, part one of two. Uh, I once heard Spielberg say that when he makes a movie, it's all about relationships. When he made Jurassic Park, it was a story about Dr. Grant's relationship with kids, not about dinosaurs. I find this interesting and, poss and possibly one of the best pieces of advice for young filmmakers. Thanks. And you're absolutely right. When you look at Spielberg movies, whatever, even if you look at a movie like War of the Worlds with Tom Cruise, uh, Dakota Fanning, that's about a dad and his kids. Yeah, and a, a, a dysfunctional relationship because yes. he's on the back side of the divorce and his son resents him. And, you know, we were talking about this this morning on the John Cameron show because we were talking about Quiet Place. 
And, you know, Chris has not watched Quiet Place yet. I said, here's the thing. The movie's not about the monsters. Right. It's not about that. That's that's what's so impressive about Krasinski as a director. He gets what directors like Scorsese and Spielberg gets. He makes it about characters and relationships and the context that they're in. But it's never about the context. And that's what makes Spielberg one of the best ever. All right. Thanks for writing that in, Jordan. Great, uh, great thing to point out. All right. Steve G writes, talent notwithstanding, is it really that surprising that a team assembled specifically for one show, The Mandalorian Space Samurai slash Western, did not do as great a job with what could slash should have been a different style of show with the Book of Boba Fett slash space crime slash mafia? Yes, and I'll tell you why. Those are specific detailed differences. The general idea about Space Samurai Western... Yeah, do anything you want. I, I mean, look, this was still a character that Boba Fett got introduced to this era of Star Wars in The Mandalorian show. So, yes, and it's that a Mandalorian show that spent time in Tatooine. I So, yes, I do find it surprising that they were able to take that same character that they already used in Mandalorian and brought over here and, and were able to and tell a good story. I, I am surprised. I mean, look, everybody has a bad day at the office. Spielberg has had a bad day at the office. Everybody has them. This was one of John Favreau's. But, yeah, I don't think this is a totally different kind of show. No. Going from Mandalorian to doing a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated movie, that's a totally different thing. This was in the same world with characters he's already used. I am surprised. Rob, what about you? I totally am, too. I completely agree with you. Uh, surprise maybe was not the word, but <laughs> disappointment, disgust. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Surprise. Next up, Anonymous writes, I have heard that the red carpet premiere for Pixar's Turning Red will take place on Tuesday, March the 1st in L.A. John, can you confirm or deny this information? It's irrelevant information. It doesn't really matter. The movie's not even a theatrical film anymore. Right. So whether wherever they decide to have their little party for it's kind of so i i have no idea all i know is that on march 1st i'm seeing the batman that's what i'm doing march 1st so i can neither confirm nor deny that uh this is happening but i mean but it is what hollywood to be at the el capitan it, it would absolutely be at so the el capitan it's their theater but it's not even a theatrical film so it's kind of irrelevant it doesn't really matter unfortunately and i am very much looking forward to seeing this movie i was just really looking Me forward too. to being in a movie theater all right uh that was an anonymous viewer sean writes Longtime fan of the show. Thank you, Sean. Uh, I like your explanation of the Wanda theory to introduce the X-Men to the show. Trying to imagine the best way to show this on screen. Do you think they do a quick flashback in upcoming MCU films or a Scarlet Witch prequel film? No. See, this is one of those things that is doesn't take a complete episode of television or a movie. It is literally something that if you're in the hands of the right filmmaker and storyteller, you can tell this story in about 45 seconds to two minutes. Yeah, it, that That's all it's going to take. Plus, it's going to be set up. I mean, the, with, with the multiverse of madness, we're going to go through some crazy shenanigans. And I would imagine within the context of that, it will be set up. So when she does it, Xavier, Charles Xavier would set us up for whatever situation were to occur. He'll tell us. So when she finally says the words. I've got a new theory. I've got a new theory, and it connects into the theory that's going around out there. What if they, Stuart talks to Strange, Professor X, your world was once inhabited by mutants and 
evolutionary progression of Homo sapien that turned into Homo superior. Every mutant mut uh, manifested their talents. And, da -da -da. And, and as he's explaining that, you see these quick shots of things happening. Uh -huh. One of those mutants was a young girl named Wanda Maximoff who fell in love, blah, and had two sons. And something horrible happened, and she lost her children. Stricken with grief and overwhelmed with pain, and, and maybe a mutant did it, and other mutants failed to protect her and her children. Stricken with grief and pain, she summoned all the power in her rage and spoke the words, and then it just cuts to her in an angry face, no more mutants. From there, your world changed and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> that would then explain what if that, that would then mean in WandaVision, it's from the deepest part of her own psyche that she manifested her two sons in that world. Dude. And they were actually sons in, the, in that. I don't know. What do you think? I'm, I'm getting chills. <laughs> I'm getting chills now. I'm like, I'd love to see that happen. I think that'd be great. And like you said, I do believe that if that's the case, our, that's what Xavier is going to do. Because once he sets that up and she brings, let's say this happens. Let's just say this happens. We'll get a whole new group of 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 mutants, the, our world's mutants, the, the call it the prime or Earth 616 mutants. And the other mutants will be different. I mean, I would even be willing to say that Ralph Boner or whatever from WandaVision, we would find out that that was also some kind of a weird manifestation of hers, not even knowing or something happened. Well, or, remember, the show says he is actually a guy. I know, from but, that I, town. but I think that anything is possible. You're right. Any, every, nothing's off the board yeah, I at mean, this point. But I love that idea because... I, I've that's as I am passionately in love with the Vaughn Division show. I love that show, but it's like the the, the sons thing that she just <clears throat> brought them into existence and whatever they weren't real. But if we say actually no, they were real before, and it, they were still somewhere deep in her subconscious, and that's what brought forth and manifested them. Dude, in, if you did that woo! and it's explained, you know, and what if what if. Oh, can you imagine if that's how the movie actually ended and it cuts to black and the credits roll directed by Sam Raimi and then you do, I mean, that would be the, I mean, what comes after, what comes after it's Thor love and thunder. Yes. So we're moving off. We're, we're in space. How funny would that be? They, they have her say this. And when do we get back to earth? So you got Thor love and thunder. What's after Thor love and thunder. Whew. I can't remember. Is it Marvel's? I don't know. I'd have to look it up. Because you could be out in space for a long time yeah. before you get back to Earth and deal with this. But don't forget, the Disney Plus shows are also coming out that take place that's, on that's Earth. That's true. And, that's true. But it's, it's going to be interesting to see, though. All right. Let's keep going here. Next up, MD writes, one of two. Hi, John. You said that the Multiverse of Madness trailer is Marvel's best ever trailer. In, in my opinion, I think it just might be. For aspects like raising the level of anticipation, but I would throw Thor Ragnarok's into that debate. The Thor Ragnarok trailer it, with the immigrant song. Yeah, it I was mean, great. that was so good. Um fused uh fused about a third Thor movie. Um fussed about a third Thor movie. Uh, but that trailer changed everything from the immigrant song to the tease of a Hulk versus Thor fight to the complete color and tonal shift. He's anticipation a was from through work. the Oh uh, that he's I know him, he's a friend from work. I mean <laughs> <laughs> I mean that that was so good. dude that like that trailer is great 
but I can only speak from my own personal perspective. I love the Thor character. Other than Steve Rogers, he is my second favorite MCU sure. character. And I love Kenneth Branagh's Thor 1. Yes, Thor 2 was a bit of a step down, but my anticipation level, understanding, knowing, knowing in advance that Taika Waititi was directing it, my anticipation level with Thor Ragnarok was already very, very, very high. My anticipation for Doctor Strange 2, I like Doctor Strange very much. The first movie was great. It's great. Um, but I, I didn't really know where my anticipation level. I was looking forward to it for sure. But that trailer so surprised me. It it, it just, it, it, like, so yeah, for me personally, it just elevated that. But listen, there's a very strong argument to be made for that Thor trailer. I don't know. When you think back now about all the great Marvel trailers, I'm thinking this one might be the best one, but maybe it was Thor. Maybe it was another one. What do you think? God, I mean, I don't know. Guardians of the Galaxy was unexpected. That was a great trailer. You know, and that those are the things. That's the thing that jumps to my mind. And also, I keep thinking back to, I, I, I rem remember an Amer Captain America um uh, Civil War, so not Civil War. The Captain America Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier. I remember Winter Soldier really going, "Wow, that's different than I thought it would." Like it's a serious political. I don't know which trailer it was, but right. I have to go back. All right, look. next up, well pointed out, MD. Uh, Send Pygar writes. I heard that Crosby scored his 500th goal. We talked about this on the show a little bit earlier today. He's a he's a good Canadian kid, plays captain of the Pittsburgh Penguins, one of the greatest hockey players. Uh, so I looked up the scoring records. 38 of the top 50 NHL goal scoring records are held by Canadians. Yep. Uh, number one, Wayne Gretzky <laughs> with 849 or 894. Number two, Gordie Howe with 801. Number three, Yamir Jagger with 766. Number four, Alex Ovechkin, who's still playing with 761. Then Sidney Crosby, number 45 at 500. Yeah, I mean, look, it's no big surprise. Hockey is a Canadian dominated sport. Uh, it is. But I'm telling you what, the rest of the world has caught up a lot. It has caught up a lot. And it's not just Canada and Russia anymore. U.S. is a very strong Hockey presence now yeah. is great. But yeah, it's still, it's make no mistake. It's still Canada's sport. All right. Next up, uh, David Turner writes, Hello all. Like Rob, I collect physical media, but I'm finding it harder to buy Steelbook, the tin case, Blu-rays here in Canada. They go out of stock almost immediately, and I'm not alone from comments I see online. Do you have any insight? Dude. I have to say, I like Steelbooks too. I didn't used to, but I've been liking them more and more. Like I have all the Marvel ones. You just have to pre-order. You have to pre-order. If you try and wait for a Steelbook to come out the day it comes out, you'll never get it. You have to pre-order. I would go to sites like Zavi. Uh, they usually have them and go to Best Buy. Scour Best Buy and Zavi. All right. Next up, Hot Rod Todd writes, I don't think you've ever covered it, but what was your opinion of the final lightsaber duel between Obi-Wan and Maul in Rebels? I was very underwhelmed by it. Uh, Twin Sons. Despite it being over so fast, some say it's the best Star Wars based on its buildup and aftermath. Thoughts? No, listen, I am a big Rebels fan. I, I'm, I'm a little unusual in my Star Wars loving brethren that a lot of my Star Wars loving brethren prefer Clone Wars. I do not. I vastly prefer Rebels. And they teased right from the beginning of the season. They put like they showed Obi Wan in the preseason trailer for the season coming up, and and then everything was building up to it. And they got to it, and it was thrust Perry Perry dead. And I was like, really? We we've, we've been building up to this all year for thrust yeah. Perry Perry dead. I found it incredibly unsatisfying. Now, what was great 
was as Maul is dying and Obi-Wan is holding him and, you know, they talk about, I mean, basically Vader <laughs> comes up and all that kind of, I mean, it was a great moment. It was a great scene, but all I can do is speak for myself as a big fan of Rebels. I love the show. I love the show. But that was a particularly unsatisfying thing to me. I don't know, Rob. Did you ever see that? And, yeah, and so I did. You and I agree with it? you. It was not. I I wanted something much bigger. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's move on here. Next up, we have A. V. Cali, who writes: "Strange desecration of reality goes far beyond what he did in Spider-Man: No Way Home. I think he lied in Infinity War. We never had one shot. We never had one shot." Thanos was supposed to win in our reality, or Thanos was supposed to win in our universe. This probably caused a cascading effect in other universes. Also, Wanda is witch, not mutant. Okay, so there's a lot to, to uncover there. Guys, please proofread your stuff before you send it in. Um, I do, No, I don't believe that Thanos was supposed to win. I, I don't, I think, actually, I think one of the MCU properties actually covered that that Thanos was supposed to be stopped, I believe, at, at any rate. But no, I do believe Thanos was supposed to be stopped. Um, whether or not that Wanda... Look, I believe the original intention... I believe... It's, I don't just believe. It's clear. The original intention of the MCU when it came to Wanda and Pietro was they are not mutants. That was the original intention. They were brought into the MCU... This is when Fox was still going strong and they held the, the the patent on mutants and all that kind of stuff. And that's why when they brought them in into the MCU, they're in the hands of Hydra and they were referred to as miracles. And they had their powers kind of experimented into them with Loki's staff. That was always the intention with them in this universe. But they now own Fox. And I think Kevin Feige saw that as an opportunity and they may very well, there's no reason now that they can't say, actually, underneath it all, they have a mutation and they're mutants. And well, that seems what they're doing. What would be so cool is it would fit right in when Wanda, when Wanda yep. said no more mutants. Yep. Part of what she would have done is make sure they weren't mutants either. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, 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 and figured it out and did that. And it would be so great to bring them back. And uh, by the way. And by the way, if she brought them back, who's her daddy? Swipe vision come back. I mean, I yeah. Who is the dad? Who's, who was the father? Magneto. Oh, who's her dad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Magneto, oh, yeah. Mag dude. Could you imagine if that? That's how the freaking multiverse of madness ends. Like the multiverse, whatever. And yet, oh, you think whatever happens, and the movie ends, and she says, you know, she says mutants or whatever. And let's say it's Fassbender, or let's who I don't know who it is, but the la, it it ends with her saying hello, father. Come <laughs> on, man. I mean, I could. I now could they're gonna have to do some creative story writing because they've 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 already set up in the MCU. Her and Pietro, they had we saw the flashbacks in Wandavision of her dad and her mom and all those but flashbacks memories. Those yes, those flashbacks were post reality altering memories. That very well could be because she would have to figure out. If mutants are gone, then her if her father was fucking Magneto, she would have to 
get rid of it. And maybe, I, I mean, I just think this idea, the more I think about it, you just brought up some extra stuff in this conversation that's now made me that's start going like the, the, the two kids. That's the two genius, kids, yeah. dude. I mean, that's a, that just adds to the whole trauma idea and the grief that she felt and everything like, and, and, and with vision dying the way it, it, it that just, even though she changed the world, her grief is so deep. It's so part of her psyche that she thought she was, she tried it once by changing the world. Then she loses vision in this new reality. And then she's conjuring up her kids. I mean, she's so far. No, what can you imagine? She's that crazy. So in Multiverse of Madness, if it's her behind everything, the reason it is, is because that's how nuts she's become. And by the way, if you go back into the comics, because they brought up, you know, what if the, the Illuminati says strange after one? Okay. If you go into the comics, the whole surrounding House of M stuff, Xavier himself is extremely concerned about Wanda and is actually contemplating that she might have to just be put down because of her ability to completely alter reality and stuff like that. And the fact that she's kind of unbalanced, he's like, she might just be too dangerous to live. And that comes into it. But by the way, I want to point out something too, that they, A.V. Callie writes in there, you know, she's, she's a witch. She's not a mutant. Well, I'm going to say this. Who says it's one or the other? Who who says it's one or the other? That mutant? He's not an accountant. He's a mutant. No, no that he's both. A beast isn't a scientist. He's a mutant. Well, no, he's a mutant who's a scientist. Scarlet Witch very well can be a mutant who is also a witch. And because she's a witch, there's no doubt about it. She is a witch. I mean, WandaVision laid that out pretty damn clear. She's a witch, but part of her witchery could be her mutation. I mean, it's a both-and situation. I just think the possibilities of this whole thing, I, I, I know it's probably not going to happen, but I love it, the idea, so much. Now that you've added the whole wrinkle of the suns, man. I mean, let, we'll find out where they go with it. All right, next up, we got Terry Wood who writes, uh, love they show probably meant the show love the show and your energy and camaraderie together thank you so much terry uh what would you guys think of the trailers for the cursed somebody asked that this morning i, I know still haven't watched I, yeah. it. uh the new werewolf flick and winning time the hbo max series about the showtime era la lakers i'm looking forward to both oh. again somebody else brought that up the, the cursed one today i haven't watched it yet to be honest with you so i i can't comment on it showtime dude i thought that was a dumb sounding idea and then I saw the trailers. I'm like, oh my God, this is much must watch TV. It is that trailer is so good for I think it's winning time. Winning time. It looks it's the, about the showtime the Lakers. Casting yeah. is so good. I mean, I I can't wait. Yeah, it looks and it's so Adam good. McKay, you know, big short up in the air. And and look, I mean, I, I don't like going into the drama stuff, but this is the show that led to the um dissolving of the relationship between adam mckay and will ferrell yeah uh, because will ferrell i guess from what i understand was supposed to play dr jerry buss the lakers owner in this and then mckay did a u-turn and decided that john c Riley was the better fit for it but apparently will ferrell didn't hear that from adam mckay he heard it through the media or something like yeah. that and apparently that ended their relationship and that's really unfortunate i i i wonder if that ends the relationship between will ferrell and john c Riley as well i mean i don't know 
That's that, that's the type of TMZ stuff I shouldn't really focus on. But John C. Riley, when I heard John C. Riley's gonna play Dr. Jerry Bus, I'm like, oh, so I don't know if I can see that. And then you see the trailer. Like, yep, he's totally Dr. It looks Jerry Bus. So entertaining. It looks so good. It's so good. I cannot wait. All right, next up. Uh we've got uh Daniel N writes, one of two. Out of my morbid curiosity for Blacklight, I pitch some new Liam Neeson movie ideas. Tukin, a Jordan Peele film, oh, no. Taken Wars, Return of the Taken, Fate of the Taken, Taken Begins, The Taken Night, uh, The Taken Night Rises, Captain Taken, The Winter Spy, uh, Winter Take or Jurassic Taken, Star Taken, the The Voyage Taken, Taken Wars, a new Taken. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you, Daniel. I don't know if there's any winners in that one. <laughs> don't know if there's any winners in that one. Uh, but anyway, if you do see, I did not see Blacklight. But if you do to go to see Blacklight, do let me know if it was worth the time to go see it. All right. Thanks for sending that in, Daniel. All right. Next up, we got Jeremy Miller who writes, part one of two. A great six-season show to check out is Comedy Gold is Superstore on Peacock slash Hulu. Created by the writer for The Office, Justin Spitzer, American for, uh, America Ferreira, and Ben Feldman star, along with an amazing deep roster of com comedic side characters, including comedian Lauren Ash, Colton Dunn from Parks and Rec, and Mark McKinney from Kids in the Hall. Love Kids in the Hall. Interestingly, its final season production was paused by the pandemic, so they actually wrote the events of 2020 into the show, and it worked out amazingly. You know, that is a show that was on for years, and I always actively just ignored it. But... In the last year or two, I've been hearing from a number of people who, I mean, we literally, where Ann and I lived, we were right up the street from where they shot the show, from their soundstage. Yeah. And we would pass it all the time. And I've just been hearing from more and more people in the last year or two that they really liked it. And I don't know, have you ever had a chance John, to watch it? John, because of Elizabeth, that's a sitcom i actually seen episodes from. Really? Yeah, and it was fun. You know, it's fun. I liked it. I might have to go check it out at some point because, you know, now that... I mean, I, I'm down to re-watching The Office and re-watching Parks and Rec. That I've, Parks and Rec, I've seen every episode about eight times. So that might be the next one I have to check out. All right, thanks for that, Jeremy. Okay, next up, uh, Tarheel65 sends in like a $50 super chat. Thank you, Tarheels, for supporting our channel on that level, man. Appreciate that very much, dude. All right, and Tarheels writes, Damn you, John and Rob. I'm officially addicted to hot toys. I told you. <laughs> I listen, I always give that warning when before you get that first one, just be cautious. Anyway, my wife found out that I bought 100 one six scale figures <gasps> worth $35,000. Oh my God. She said it's either her or my hot toys. What should I do? What do your wives think about your hot toy collection? Okay. First of all, while I did say that I was very grateful for your $50. Tip, I was just thinking, <laughs> Come on, Tar Heels. I mean, spread the spread the love around a little bit. Give me like 10%. Oh, I was going to say, you gave us toys. too much. Why aren't you using that to buy hot toys? Um, 100. One scale figure. They they are addicting. They're very... Okay, so here's, here's the thing with me. It's too bad, you know, your wife... Give her my best when she walks out the door. When she leaves. Um, oh, man, that's tough. Well, I'm sorry about the loss of your marriage. Um... <laughs> Like, it's real easy with me because I, I'm very cheap. And 
<laughs> don't get me wrong. I will spend money on the things I need to spend money on. But you on. buy nice things. You don't like, you're not driving some beater car. No, but, but see, here's the thing with me. Um, this Your is solar how my, panels aren't cheap. No, but this is how, but I bought them to save money. Yeah, that's true, but still. Yeah, I bought the solar panels. So my, my parents always drove into me a couple of financial principles. Uh, one of which was um, buy things you need before you buy things you want. Mm -hmm. So like good one. I will spend money on this studio. Things that are for the business, things that make us our earn us our living and yes. earn us our money. I will spend money on that stuff. No questions asked. I will definitely spend money on that because it's what earns us our, our keep, right? Makes sense. Um, I converted our studio. Today is the first day that we're running our studio all on solar because I looked at our power bill and it was getting outrageous i also looked at the cost of installing solar and i thought that's way too expensive i found a duct tape and glue way to put together a little solar system that will run this put some miles on my tesla all that kind of stuff it's pretty dope too i gotta say <laughs> i i kind of like it it's I, I pretty really cool do like dude. It. i'm excited Come like on. right now the air conditioner this computer the lights everything's all running off my solar batteries which i'm really excited about and today's the first day we're doing it so spend money on the things you want before you spend money on things you need. Or sorry, reverse. Spend money on the things you need before you spend money on, on things you want. The second financial principle my parents gave me is this. Never buy anything on credit. If you can't afford something other than a house. Right. If you can't afford something, you can't afford something. And so my principle is the reason I drove... And a 16-year-old car for the for prior to this year, for like the last six years, a hand-me-down 16, 17, 18, 19-year-old car is because I couldn't afford to buy a new car. And then once I gathered the money together, after years and years and years, then I went out and dropped all the money and you bought big. cars. So I don't, yeah. So I don't have payments. I don't have interest. Right. I don't have, no, obviously the house we had to buy with a loan and we had to go into debt for the house. Sure. But that's. I'm never going to be able to have the money just drop and buy the house. Yeah. But so because I'm like that and I, whenever I have to spend money, I agonize over it. I research it to the gills. Like just buying this freaking webcam. I, I researched webcams for like four weeks before pulling the trigger and buying that webcam, right? So Anne knows that even though I bought a couple of hot toys, I've got like four or five or six of them in total. She knows I'm not going to go overboard on that. But my wife never has a problem with it because I also do not drink alcohol. I don't smoke. I don't do any drugs. Uh, I don't do, I don't have a lot of habits that, a lot of other men will have that will spend a lot of money on. So when I want to splurge on the odd thing for myself, she knows, ah, you know, other guys could have been spending no a lot hookers more and on these cocaine other for you. No John. hookers and cocaine for me. Um, so yeah, that's it. But man, I'm telling you, when I do look at collections like Robert Meyer Burnett's collection, I ain't going to lie. I drool a little bit. I get a little bit jealous. And I only, there's people like Justin Kane from Justin's collection on YouTube who has hundred. I mean, he's got, I, I look at his collection and and remember, you know, I have a lot of I've been collecting figures for a long, long time. I don't buy as many figures as a lot of people buy. You know, I've got a lot of figures, but not nearly what some people have. But a um, hundred 
He said a hundred, right? A hundred figures. One hundred, yep. Yeah, and you figure the average out. That's that's about right, and it's crazy. But you know, if they make you happy and you, you look, I would say this: if he's buying them and keeping them in boxes, that's not that's not good. You you got to buy them and take them out. Like if you have one or two boxes, that's cool because the boxes are great. Yes, they are. But if you if you have a hundred, you got to take them out and pose them and put them in cool display cases and light them up and really enjoy them. Otherwise. Why are you doing that? Yeah, what's the point of it? All right, anyway, enjoy it, Tar Heels. So just try not to go on any more 100. Yeah, I don't mean kick your wife out the, out the door. Yes, no. Don't do that. All right, meta writes. Unless it's, you know, no. <laughs> Fun theory. Deadpool is in a cell at the Illuminati for trying to break into the MCU. Later on in Deadpool 3, he breaks out very upset and kills the MCU. Comic adaptation of Deadpool kills the Marvel <laughs> Universe. By the way, the Marvel Deadpool killing the Marvel Universe line is awesome. Yeah. But, I mean, look, I don't think Deadpool's going to be in this. But when you look at the end of Deadpool 2, the post-credits, it's all him jumping through timelines. Uh, I know. And affecting the timelines and stuff like that. If the Illuminati, I mean, I don't know why it wouldn't be the Time Variance Authority, but if the Illuminati thought, hey, we got to take care of this guy, I mean, there's your opening right there. Dude, the Time Variance Authority apprehending Daredevil is, I mean, that, that Daredevil. Deadpool? Deadpool is awesome. I love that idea that he's been imprisoned. Yeah. Does it <laughs> I, mean, I, would, I mean, that would work. I mean, that's the way right they can there. do it. Kylo Ken writes, hey, guys, I'm as big a Star Trek fan as most, but they keep trying to make Star Trek a blockbuster franchise, but it just doesn't draw. Only a couple... <laughs> Pardon me. Only a couple have made around 400 million more, uh, most less than 20. Let me try this again. Only a couple have made around 400 million. Most make less than 200 million. How can they afford to keep pouring money into this franchise? I think, you know, we talked about this this morning. I think it's a combination of two things. And it's, and I think it's got to be a balance of both. <clears throat> I think, number one, they have to make their budgets more reasonable and, and, and not spend. MCU money on a Star Trek film to make right. it. But then second, don't just accept that they don't make that much money. Still try to make more money. Get better marketing. Because I'm telling you what, while I think Star Trek Beyond was my favorite of the new era of films, it was horribly marketed. That trailer was awful. Like, garbage awful. Yeah. So they need to do a better job at enticing new viewers, all that kind of stuff. So they need to do better with their marketing, but also at the same time on the other side, they got to spend less on the movie and just, you know, go that way. What do you think the key here is for them to, to kind of turn this around? Well, I think our viewers, right. Uh, the, the thing about Star Trek is I think that the Star Trek movies are less interesting than they should be. They're constantly going after these villain tropes. If you look at the classic films, the most successful, of the classic Star Trek movies was Star Trek for the voyage home. And there was not a traditional villain. The situation, the extinction of the whales, was what caused this probe, this alien probe, to destroy our oceans. And they had to go back in time. And as John pointed out earlier, you have a great fish out of water story. This is a great science fiction Double story. Double dumbass on you. Double dumbass on you. This is a great science fiction story that has a great comedic element, a great adventure element, and a great moment and moments for character interplay. And it didn't have to cost a lot of money, but at the time, in 1986, it made over $100 million, which is the biggest a Star Trek film had ever grossed. And I think they need to get back to that kind of storytelling where you don't have to spend $200 million on, on an adventure like this. And like John said, you build up to it. You know, you, 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 the problem is that we've had three Star Trek movies with the cast, and it's basically the same movie. There's a villain. 
who wants to do something dastardly and our characters have to stop that villain. That isn't Star Trek. All right, next up, we've got, where are we at here? We are at Orange Grove 55 writes, Hey, Rob, was in Avengers Campus the other day, that's over at Disneyland, Yeah, uh, and thought how the and thought how the Ant-Man references are kind of a nice indirect homage to your favorite defunct Disneyland attraction, <laughs> Adventures True Inner Space. Yeah, voy- Voyage Through Inner Space. <laughs> that was, okay, where Star Tours is now. Right. They used to have Adventure Through Inner Space, which is you you get shrunk. You know, and you're you're in a in a like a thing. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, and you go through this machine that, and you can see they used to have the miniatures, and you could see yourself shrinking, and you go down into a snowflake and droplets of water, and into the basically you went into the quantum realm, but they didn't have it called that. But you're right because that's exactly what Ant Man has done. That is a that is a very great observation. All right, next up, thanks for writing that in Orange Grove. Next up, we got Jonathan who writes. Hey, John, or Rob, I know you don't really have an interest in the Chippendale movie. That's an understatement. And I really didn't have much either. But that trailer, though, it did what a trailer should do. It bumped up my excitement for the movie. What did you think of the trailer? I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't watch it. And when when Chris Carr described the trailer to us, that it's kind of become a parody of itself and stuff like that, I'm like, wow, well, that interests me even less. Although, so, to be honest, I can't say the trailer's bad because I haven't seen it, but I, I don't have any interest. What I haven't you? watched it either, but our friend Kevin Rubio texted us before we did this mailbag. He's oh, like, really? have you seen this trailer? It's great. Kevin likes yeah, it. Yeah, and I'm like, and he's Mr. To me, he's the animation guru, and I'm like, okay, well, if you liked it, I'll take a look at it. But even Chris said she liked it, but she didn't like that. Their, their approach falling, to it. Yeah. All right, I, I might have to check it out, Jonathan. I might have to check it out. All right, next up, we got Double B Studios who writes, Hey, I'm watching today's episode, Wednesday, and I see Deadpool coming out, and he's next in line to speak to the Illuminati panel. He did break the multiverse rules with the time-traveling bracelet. We were just talking yeah. about that. I'm calling it now. It's happening. Thanks. That's all. Here's the one problem with that, though. It would be this incredible, profound moment of Doctor Strange in front of the Illuminati, <clears throat> and the end with da 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 da. Hey, everybody! Yeah. Sorry that I broke your little rules. Like, I mean, I I don't I know. I could see it as a post-credit scene, though. I could see it as a post-credit scene. You know, whatever shenanigans happen, <laughs> and then they do Deadpool gets pulled in, or it's a time variance authority thing. Yep. Yep, that could be it too. I mean, that that works. All right. Next up, we got Double B Studios also writes, also, if you need something quieter for air conditioning, may I suggest a mini split? They are very energy efficient and very quiet and can cool or heat a room for twenty to th- in 20 to 30 minutes to desired temperature so I can hear the high-pitched screams of you and your crew. Okay, so for those of you who don't know what Double B is talking about, um, in this room, it can get very warm, but it doesn't because I have this decent sized air conditioning unit on the floor over here. That's actually pretty loud, but my system has such incredible noise suppression that you don't even hear it. Like if I, I should sometime just record us being in here and then play the, just that open recording with this recording. So you can hear the difference. It's quite loud. Now the noise suppression one, it, it does a great job, but every once in a while when we go, like this the noise suppression will misinterpret the little squeals we're doing as maybe the background noise right and it suppresses that out and takes it out so that does happen one percent of the time but it's very very minor and listen no i need a it 
with the heat here in Southern California, and we're in this box, I need something pretty significant to keep the room cool. And uh, this thing does it, but uh, so that's one of the drops. But thank you for the recommendation, though, man. I appreciate that. All right. Final question comes to us from Old Danny Boy, who writes, I would love to see Scott Snyder's Batman Story 27 done in a movie or show. I'm not familiar mm, yeah, with it. Yeah, I haven't read that. Clint Eastwood as an older Batman, Scott Eastwood as the younger clone. I'm sure Rob has read it uh, and will agree and will agree that it's a good short story. You should check it out. I, I am not I love Scott Snyder's work, but I have not read that. I'm unfamiliar with that. I, like, I've, it, I've, I've, I've honestly it. never even heard of the particular this story. Yeah, I haven't read it because so. I haven't read. I haven't read many of this. The Batman stories of the past four or well, five years. Court of Owls and stuff, but I, I, uh, I have not read 27. Like I have never I haven't read. Although I've got it, Heimer, I have not read the Batman Who Laughs, or is it the, no? It's the Batman Who Laughs. Yeah, yeah. I have seen a lot of the art for it, but I haven't read that one. I have a lot of people tell yeah, me. Yeah, he's I need in to the Dark Metal one. series. There's a lot of cool stuff. <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not familiar with 27, so I'll keep my eyes open for that. Anyway, guys, that'll do it for this episode of Mailbag. Thank you so much for being here and coming along for the ride. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in these comments and questions. Number one. Because you gave me and Rob fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the John Campy YouTube channel, thank you guys so much for your support. And don't forget, if you guys want to send in a comment or question to be read on the next episode of Mailbag, simply click on the tip link that's down in the description of this video or enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or questions read on our show if we deem them appropriate for our show. And, of course, you're supporting our channel at the same time. So, guys, for Robert Meyer Burnett and myself, John Campion, thanks a lot for being here, guys. And until next time, bye-bye.